Welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast. A very fun episode coming your way this evening. I am one of your hosts, Tumbles, and with me as always is... Cranky. And we just had an amazing conversation with a wonderful, wonderful guest. So Michelle Adshead, she is the author of the book, Folly and Molly take on the Appalachian Trail. She is, she doesn't describe herself this way, but I am. She is an avid section hiker and is responsible for maintaining three miles of trail in Pennsylvania. I particularly am excited to actually read this children's book because Folly and Molly are foxes and they have all different types of animal friends that they meet along the way. Folly and Molly do hike the Appalachian Trail, so if you are interested in some fun AT stories, we will put her website in the show notes. But it is www.adventurestoriesbymichelle with two L's dot com. Um, that will be in the show notes as well, but there it is. And her Instagram is at Adventure Stories by Michelle. We also say it in the episode, but I wanted to make sure that we get it out front and center. That's um, right. So, Michelle, if you are hearing this, thank you once again for joining us. It was so much fun to chat and to learn a little bit about you. And then for our own plugs. Okay, I, I'm giving the I'm being given the cue by the crank here. <laughs> Uh, Instagram, rocks underscore and underscore roots underscore pod. TikTok, rocks underscore roots underscore podcast. YouTube, just type in the um, the name of our podcast, which if you don't know by now, it's the Rocks and Roots podcast. Okay. Uh, what else? Patreon, please give us money. I mean, come on. We're bringing you such amazing content. We're making you laugh. We're making you cry. We're making you angry. Come on. You can't get this entertainment anywhere else. You can, but come on. It's us. Anything and else? we just lost all our Russian listeners, so we need your help. That's right. Please. Okay, that's enough begging. Alrighty, do you have anything else, Crank? That's it. Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to the show, Michelle. How are you this evening? Good. How about you guys? Doing well. We're so happy to have you on. Thank you. I'm honored. Yep. Doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you for being, um, thank you for being here and you are our first author on the podcast. So congratulations. And as we said in our intro, um, your book is Folly and Molly take on the Appalachian trail. And you are also an avid <clears throat> section hiker. Uh, and you maintain some miles of trail, but we will get into all of that as we go forward. So let's start with your basic history. So when did you first get into hiking and why? Yeah, so I got started kind of later in life. We did a lot of like nature walks and biking and stuff like that growing up. Um, but I never went camping until like with my church group in high school. And it wasn't kind of like this standard camp thing. It was like a big festival type of thing. But that was my first night in a tent. And then 
it, you know, I guess so you kind of, before you get into it, like you think it's like scary in the woods, but now I'm like, I'm more scared in the city or in a town than I am in the woods. So for a while I was kind of like, oh, I'll go camping if someone goes with me. And if, you know, I didn't have any gear, so kind of had to mooch off other people's tents and stuff like that. But I just felt very called to it. So I was kind of just asking all my friends, like, do you guys want to go camping? And you want to go camping with me? And um, slowly but surely kind of built more and more and, and felt comfortable. And now I take some of my friends out. That's awesome. So how did you hear about the AT and how did you gravitate towards that direction? Yeah, I don't remember the first time I heard about it, but um, it was my first backpacking trip. I grew up in Pennsylvania outside of Philadelphia and I live in New Jersey outside of Philadelphia now. So um, I had heard, uh, yeah, so I had heard, um, so I think you guys are from New Jersey, right? We are. Okay, I remember you hear, talking about that on the podcast. Um, so represent, I heard, represent, like, represent. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> I mean, it's so beautiful. There's a piece of, of the Appalachian Trail here. So you hear you people, New Jersey stuff. is beautiful. So come and visit. <laughs> yeah, it gets No, you stay away. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, I had heard of the trail, but I didn't understand, like, what a through-hike was or what, like, a long hike. You know, I didn't understand how big it was, you know, or um, until I started doing kind of my own research. Um, I had heard somebody in college, like, fun facts go around and say that they were attempted a through-hike, like, that summer. But I, again, like, still didn't really realize. I was like, oh, like, a week in my head, just, like, so naive. But then I did my first backpacking trip again with, like, a friend who had basically been like, let's go backpacking, let's go up um, on the Appalachian Trail um, on Pinnacle Loop. And it was just awesome. And I just think that you feel really, if you're in the Appalachian Trail, you feel, like, really pulled towards it and called towards it in some way that I can't totally explain. It's either, like, you're obsessed with it or you haven't heard of it. Um, so, so yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't get it out of your head. So yeah, so that's a bit of kind of like my history, I guess. And so, uh, how long ago did you start hiking the AT? Um, yeah, so I, I kind of have done like bits and pieces, but, um, I haven't like gotten like the, the miles together to fully be like a section hiker like you guys. So I probably need to get on that. <laughs> it's just like, I, like earlier I said, like my brain just doesn't, um, hold that. Like I would have to, I don't know, do some more research. I feel like I'm more creative minded, but yeah. So mm -hmm. I, my first backpacking trip was when I was 19 on the Appalachian trail and then, um, felt called back to it, but I kind of got, I like got in my own gear, even just like a few years ago, maybe like three or four years ago, backpacking. Um, and still like, like our backpacks were given to us. I got a tent that was $40 from Target um, you know, nine pounds that like, um, me and my fiance kind of took turns, you know, divided it up. So it was a couple pounds each, but yeah. So then, um, since we do live close to the trail, we've gone, um, to kind of bits and pieces, um, in a few different States. All right. And so where have you gone on the AT? Yeah. So, um, not that I've done the full States, but Pennsylvania multiple times, cause I currently maintain there, um, New Jersey, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, a little bit New York, and then um, Virginia, Shenandoah, which is one of my favorite trips. We are struggling to finish. If you've listened to, you said you've been listening. I don't know if you've got those episodes. Yeah, we've been struggling to finish. Well, I'm going to classify you as a section hiker because you've done multiple overnights in many different <laughs> states. So you are officially a section hiker. Congratulations. No well, I feel honored. I do feel like that's like bestowed upon me now. So I, I should start tracking my mileage, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
So out of those, what has been your favorite and least favorite so far? Oh, it's so hard because I think like when you're on trail, when it feels like this is my least favorite thing that, I, you know, in hindsight, it becomes like a good story and like fun memories. So when we did parts of New Hampshire um, and it, we kind of just went through parts of the AT, but that was brutal with like the rock scrambles um, because I kept seeing like false peaks, which I honestly hadn't like dealt with before that <laughs> the trip. So I was very adamant like okay we're almost there multiple times than I was <laughs> we weren't and then I was like oh gosh and there was definitely some tears on that trip and you know when you're just so exhausted and things that like um I later illustrated in my book would like not that I would advocate for doing this but like sitting in the trail and crying just because you're like I don't know you know <laughs> you don't have the energy to get off trail so yeah New Hampshire I'd say is for me so far, the toughest part that I've done. And then my favorite was, I love Shenandoah. I just think it's like so magical. And (laughs) we saw a bunch of bears there and it kind of made it, it like at first it was so scary. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be terrified. And the first night I had nightmares because we did see all these bears. And then the next day they're practically on trail and they literally don't care what we did. We like waited 25 minutes and they wouldn't pass. So we had to kind of like scoot around them and yeah. How about you guys? What would you say your favorite was? Well, I mean, to talk about the uh, Shenandoah, which which Cranky loves, he's super jealous about your bear sightings. And this has been an ongoing thing ever since we started this damn podcast. It's like he's dying (laughs) to see a bear. (laughs) Okay. So I think I know, well, okay. I only saw them on one trip, but we saw like 14 sightings. They're probably the same, some of them. And and there's cubs. But I think that the trick is like late September, early October, because people are kind of, um, they're not around as much. And so they come out a little more. That's what the Rangers told us when we were there. Hmm. Okay. We've done Shenandoah November one trip, June, um, what other months? May. May. So yeah, obviously in November, they're not going to be around and then may june there's lots of people so that makes sense yeah okay. are you guys still in new jersey i'm sorry do you mind if i ask yeah yeah oh you are still in new jersey yeah i'm i'm um by new york city oh cool crank yeah. is towards the pa border yes gotcha. okay yeah. so we're all kind of relatively close um yeah so shenandoah is like not a terrible drive if you're in their road trips it's like we've we've definitely gone for like a weekend before If you push it, you could do that. I've done Shenandoah as a day hike, but I'm crazy and leave at like (laughs) one in the morning. I did um, Old Rag Trail, which is in the Shenandoah as a day hike and then was home by dinner time. Good for you. Wow. (laughs) Insane. I woke up really early and I drove really fast. Oh my gosh. Do you drink caffeine or no? Yes. Okay, I was going to say, I don't think I could survive. <laughs> like cans of Monster littering the floor of the car. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Did we kind of got on a sidetrack, which is great, but um, what was your, you said Shenandoah was your favorite. Jesus, you can edit that out, Tumbles. That was horrible. Um, no, you're good. I forgot the question, too, when I was in I was like, wait, okay. <laughs> so you are actually our second guest you are in good company um kyle o'grady who is an at through hiker are you familiar yeah i i listened to part of the podcast today 
So, right. yeah, I was kind of yes. jumping around, but. Yep. So you are in good company because he is an avid hiker, has been all over the country, and he said the same thing about New England as you did. Um, even though he was talking about Maine, he said even though Maine was an amazing state for him, it was not. So you're in good company. <laughs> yeah, I think that that trip was like a great trip, but we it was like before we knew anything really about backpacking and we went with other people and they're great and I love them and I I loved the trip so I'm glad we went. But had we had we looked and understood what like the squiggles on the map actually mean, you know, um we would have you know sometimes you hear like 10 miles or 11 miles and you think, "Oh yeah, a couple hours." And then we were like hiking up our second peak and we were like, "Oh my goodness." And it wasn't even the last we had like three more that day, so it was yeah, I feel like if I had I mentally prepared, had a few more snacks, maybe made it an, a, another day <laughs> onto the trip, it would have been a little, yeah. We found that okay. with Georgia, actually. You know, oh, really? It wasn't necessarily long miles, but, you know, at least when we were hiking at night, it was like, another peak, another peak, another peak. <laughs> when is this going to end so I can fall asleep, basically? Right, <laughs> right. Yep. Um, all right, so we are doing some Instagram stalking, and Tumbles always makes fun of my 65-liter Atmos um, <laughs> pack because it is giant and it is huge. And it squeaks. And it squeaks. <laughs> it's echolocation. And I was very, very excited because on your Instagram, it looked like you and your fiancé also had Osprey Atmos, but... Um, you want to talk about your gear a little bit? Yeah, and I'll start by saying, like, I am not. So I, I don't know. I feel like I don't always know all my gear, so that's why I had to write it in the notes because I, um, I don't know. I kind of just like buy something and then I like forget. So I do have an Osprey day pack that we like when we go on day hikes or if we do trail maintenance, I'll take that. Um, and we just have the one that we basically share, and I love it. Um, and now we have packs like um, the overnight packs, whatever the REI classic one is mm -hmm. um which I like a decent amount I think that Forrest ripped actually I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about brands and stuff but his ripped yeah, when we were <laughs> on the fine. flight to the Tetons and um and I missed the because I I don't know I like put stuff all over my pack so I missed being able to put my sleeping pad on the bottom there's no cord but somebody on Instagram did tell me that there is like something you can buy for that because I used to have an inflatable sleeping pad and it kept popping so then I got like the foam one um, and it, and like having to stuff it in the side was, you know, like you always have your one chore that you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. And that's mine. So, um, yep. yeah. And then when we, oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just agreeing with you. Yes. <laughs> uh, when I had my, um, my sleeping bag, that was the worst. Yeah. I hated that putting it in its little sack and I just, just started stuffing it in my pack. I didn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I do stuff. I literally stuff my sleeping bag in the like the stuff sack. Mm -hmm. I don't roll it or fold it anymore. I just kind of go. Okay. I don't know. I think that's a lazy <laughs> hack, but <laughs> um, no, not at all. That's stuff sacks are for. Right. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, before we had the REI packs, we had um, they were giving to us from for a sister and brother in law um, like Jamsport backpacks, mm -hmm. but they're backpacking backpacks. 
Um, I don't, I feel like sometimes I say that people are like, oh my goodness, you're carrying like what we have in like elementary school, but um, they are backpacking backpacks. And I really liked that a lot. It had like all the attachments that I like to use, but it was just heavier. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. I didn't know Jansport actually made hiking equipment. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't even know what else they have. Honestly, um, I could send you a picture. I, I, yeah, it's kind of funny. I guess they're backpacking, right? So, or backpacks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I I have one from high school, and that's all I know about transport. (laughs) Right, 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 exactly. But the kind of nice thing um, is that they're, like, adjustable. So we have the same backpack, but they're on, like, different settings, if that makes sense. Uh Yeah, so now we can, in case, like, somebody, we go with somebody and they don't have it, because, obviously, like, backpacking is expensive, even if you're buying the lowest cost that you can, it's, um, it gets pricey. So sometimes you don't want to like jump in and spend all your money buying stuff just to find out you don't like it. So we kind of have that now to lend it out. (laughs) Totally understood. I mean, people talk about, you know, hiking is a free hobby. No, no, it certainly is not. It's not just going out and walking. (laughs) Your feet will hurt if you don't do some research. Yes. No, you're so right. And speaking of feet, what kind of shoes do you use? I just bought trail runners. Of course, I don't know the names. See, I told you I'm like so terrible. I just posted about them. I could, I could send you. I just bought them though because I had Merrill boots, which I really love for the longest time. Um, I'm not against boots, but I am against blisters and these, like, I just needed, <laughs> they were just kept rubbing me. And um, when we did the Grand Tetons, it, we did like a lot of elevation and a lot of mileage that we are, are not always doing. And I ended up not even wearing them. I wore like my sandals and socks and like an ace band. It was the worst blister. I won't even show you a picture because you'll be like appalled, but it was like a blister. It popped another blister. It popped another. Bl- like, I swear if I was like, I think that's my bone sticking out at this point. So I couldn't even um, wear the boots. It just rubbed so much. So I got the um, trail runner. So I got to break them in. I just got them this week. So relatable. Um <laughs> I I can't think of a time where I was told I needed boots for a specific hike that I couldn't get away with trail runners instead. And I wish I hadn't listened to these people because it would have made my trail experience a lot more enjoyable. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, I feel like there's a rumor that your ankle will roll, but, um, which I am like a, a faller, um, Welcome. Is that, I was gonna say, is that how you got your trail name? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I too have weak ankles. And when I was doing the Tour de Mont Blanc, I think I had like a banner trip of just rolling my ankle. Oh, and gosh. that was with boots. Yeah. So oh, I would rather have worn the trail runners and twisted my ankle, but be comfortable in my shoes while right. doing it. You know. So good on you for getting the trail runners. You'll be a lot more comfortable. Yay! I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah. And if you train properly, your ankles will strengthen. And then I've recommended them on the podcast many times, and I will do so again here. Ultra makes a high-top trail runner. So the bottom is the Ultra Lone Peak, uh, the trail runner, which is an amazing trail runner. And then it actually has a high-top. So it is kind of the best of both worlds. So you get a trail runner, but then you do get some ankle support. And then in that model, um, they make the waterproof version, which has absolutely saved me for all of our winter hikes. Wow. Okay. So yeah. Ultra Lone Peak 5 high tops. 
It's okay. a great thing for Christmas. Ask people Christmas gifts, get a pair of shoes every year. It will help. That's a great idea. Yeah, because you do go through them, you know. Oh, yeah. I was thinking that, too, about my boots. I was like, I feel like these are probably done anyway, honestly. Have them as a backup, just in case. You never know, right. you know. I tend to keep I too many of them. <laughs> wear boots if trail runners hadn't become a thing. I actually stopped hiking. Um, I hiked all through high school, and I actually stopped because I have very fat, very flat feet. And I was like, this is, I like this but I just don't like what it does to my feet. And I stopped for 10 years and I only got back into it um, and only got into it seriously again once I started using trail runners. And I was like, oh, I can do this. And my feet are not going to get destroyed. So Yeah, that's amazing. Can you believe like what people used to have to use? Like I feel like they they had like steel plates in their boots and stuff. (laughs) Literally, yes. (laughs) All right, so you are here to talk about your book. So, um, yeah, can you tell us about your book? What was the inspiration to write a children's book about the AT? Yeah, so um, it actually was when I was in Shenandoah that I was like, I have to do this because um, a few days before my nephew was born and I have had felt love for the trail like before that was like reading books blogs podcasts kind of everything about the AT like I'm sure you guys have too like anything you get your hands on you're like I need to know it all and um we were like sitting there at night and I just thought I need his name's Richard I was like I need Richard to love the Appalachian Trail and to love nature and to like feel called to this and also um if he if I ever were to through hike then he can kind of know like what get an idea of what I'm doing um, because there weren't any books on like a modern day through hike that I found that kind of like, um, and there might be now, but when I had Googled it, cause I went to buy one when he was born and I couldn't really find anything. Um, so I thought, okay, well I'm going to do it. And then it kind of tapered off a little bit. Like I would write some stuff here and there and kind of, um, it's a rhyming book. So when I was hiking, it's kind of rhythmic. So stuff would kind of come to me that later got edited. Like, I don't want it to sound like it just all flew into my head so easily, but, um, a lot of it was like, kind of would come to me. I'd write it down on my phone or if I was just thinking about it at home, I'd write it down on scraps of paper. And then, um, when COVID first hit and we went into lockdown and quarantine and all that, I just, you know, like a lot of people was just so stir crazy and needed the distraction. So I thought, okay, well, you know, at the time we thought two weeks, I was like, I'll just see how far I can get in two weeks. (laughs) And, um, I started kind of, um, taking what I already had and like my little notebooks and on my phone and please piecing it together. And because the trail is like its own outline, you know, normally with a book, you'd have like this whole plot outline, the trail kind of already provided that for me. I put some plot in there too, but, um, it kind of, I knew like, okay, if this happens first, this would happen next and this would happen next. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how it got going. And then I sent it to an editor and then, um, then I started the other side of things, which was, um, illustrating. Fantastic. Let's rewind a little bit. Can you just give a brief overview of the book? Um, just based what the basic plot is and just so people are familiar yeah, so it's a picture book, um, and it's about twins, they're foxes, um, and they decide to through-hike the Appalachian Trail going northbound, so it's kind of their story, um, and I tried to weave in as much of, you know, what trail life is as much as I could, like we kind of touched on earlier, the crying and the breakdowns, the friendships, the sunsets, you know, laundry, trail days, um, getting injured, kind of all those different things, 
um, along the way. And I, I picked foxes partially because I wanted anybody to look at it or to read the book, any child and imagine themselves on trail um, because just getting all kinds of kids outside is um, I think a win. And I want them to kind of see themselves that way. And then also the Appalachian trail is the green tunnel, right? So I wanted the color that would pop against the green because I'm already doing a lot of green and brown. So I ended up with foxes. I wanted to do chipmunks because they are my favorite woodland creature, but I thought it'd be too small. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's adorable. Um, so is your nephew old enough to, well, I guess not yet because you said when he was born and then you started working on this. So I'm assuming he's not quite old enough for it yet. So he's three, which, and he has read it through. It is a longer picture. Yeah. So it took me a long time, right? Because so, <laughs> I thought about it and then it was like kind of in the distance and I picked it back up again. But so he um, is three and he loves, he's like such a little reader. He doesn't read, but um, we all read to him. So he's read the book and the, the dedication is partially to him. So he knows he'll say things to my sister because um, I'm Aunt Shell for Michelle. So he'll say, Aunt Shell wrote this book for me and um, they'll eat dinner. And he'll, he said the other day, do you know who likes pizza? And he was talking about Folly and Molly because I illustrated them eating pizza. So he, um, he does, you know, he is kind of aware of it. I don't know if he knows, I guess I have to talk to him, make sure he knows it's a real place and that people actually do it. Um, because another reason I wrote the book too is because I wish that I had known about through hiking sooner I might have um gotten started at a younger I might have actually like yeah um set plans to do that so so yeah I did I answer your question I forgot what you said <laughs> absolutely <laughs> when was the book published um it was published so I copyrighted it February of last year so um 2021 um and then it got printed oh gosh I got it like recently this November Wow, so I had congratulations. Yeah, it was a lot. I had a great printer uh, publishing company that, well, a printing company, it's self-published. So um, that I worked with, but there was, um, you know, they have to send you a proof and then another proof. And then um, then they print, um, for me, it was a thousand, a thousand books and bind them and send them to you. And then, so with COVID, there was a ton of, uh, as you know, shipping delays and um books were heavily impacted because there's like paper, there's like all this kind of stuff. So it really delayed it. And it was making me go crazy because I did a Kickstarter and I was just really hoping people would have it in time for the holidays. But thank goodness they did because I kept being like, oh, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. Um, so yeah, so it was an exciting day when I got to pick them all up um, and and store them. <laughs> now, <laughs> you wrote in your notes, so I'm, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit too, that you said it's a 42 page book and over a thousand words. That is mm -hmm. quite a long book for a children's book. Um, yes. I guess there is quite a lot of pictures. Yes, there is. So that was, it was kind of twofold for why it was long. And, and that's also why I self-published. Like typical picture books are 26 pages. Right. And I think like 500 words, maybe a little more. So um, with traditional publishing, especially because I'm not an established author, but this is my first book. So it's hard to get published off the bat in general and get picked up. And especially if it doesn't meet kind of criteria that is already um, set to sell, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So, but I wanted, um, because the Appalachian Trail is a real place and there's so many beautiful spots. I mean, I could have, and I would have liked to put in a few more places, but I thought this was um, my scaled down version. But I really wanted to make sure that we talked about um, different places and then also had a plot. Okay. 
So what is just the general plot outline without giving too many spoilers? Yeah, so um, they set off going northbound, um, and, you know, they go through kind of different stuff, like being scared, um, getting injured, going through all the states, and I tried to touch on what some of the highlights were, like um, the mud in Vermont, Um, but they also make friends, and yeah, so um, kind of like picking each other up mentally and physically um, along the way, and um, spoiler alert, they do make it to Katahdin, so yeah, and um, yeah, so I thought that it would kind of pair well also if like somebody does there are people who have kids or like yep. nieces or nephews that through hike and um they might want to kind of say like this is where i am because otherwise it could be confusing i mm-hmm. think for kids you're like they're in the woods and you're like because i told my nephew i camped once so i was like oh yeah we slept outside yesterday and he looked horrified i was <laughs> like no 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 in a tent <laughs> um i was just thinking there's there's a lot there um besides just the goal of getting more people into the outdoors at an early age, there's a lot about through hiking that lessons that we learn that also would be great for kids. Like you said, friendship, perseverance, um, interpersonal conflict, um, determination, just basic geography. Like, right. Yeah. So that is actually really cool. And with 42 pages and a thousand words for a kid, what age group did you target specifically? Like what is, what would be the reading level? Yeah. So um, it's for ages, like most picture books are ages like three to seven, but it can kind of skew a little older. And I do think that it is kind of like a book maybe, well, some people have told me they've done it. It's like give it a as a gift to somebody who is starting their through hike or finish their through hike or section hike. So, yeah. So, I mean, um, not to say it's for everyone, cause it's certainly not like there are kids who will not sit down through a whole book. Like, but my nephew, for example, he'll sit through, um, like 29 chapters of Thomas, the tank engine, and then ask to read it again. So it kind of just depends on, on the kid or, you know, mm-hmm. you could read, like take it like a chapter book and read half one night and half the other night if you wanted to, too. Well, yeah, the the trail as long as 2,100 miles. So having a slightly longer book also reinforces that message. And 42 pages for like a four or five-year-old, that's a journey in and of itself. So that's kind of cool as well. Yeah, and there's some pages where there's like a good amount of text and some where there's just a line or two. So, um, But like the pictures were part of it too. So I wanted to kind of show and tell different things throughout. Yeah, I think you're the first one I know that's written a children's book about any trail actually that I've seen I know there's an author um I forget her name I forget where she lives but I know she did a picture book uh, a cartoon book of women on the Appalachian Trail and um, my dread artist and Appalachian Trail through hiker Liz Kidder was actually in this book Oh, you know, Lit. Oh my gosh, I follow her on YouTube. Or I followed her on YouTube. Yeah, That's so she's, cool. She's done, she's done most of these. <laughs> That's so cool. She yeah. seems so cool. Sorry, she interrupt. was such a sweetie. No, oh, I we, fangirl we too. Talk. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I know that book. Um, I have to get the name of it. That is also a picture book, but meant more for adults. So, yeah, well done. You. I think you'd probably created a niche market. You should do some on the, for some other trails too. Yes, I would like to. That's like a thought. I mean, um, 
of yeah because I ended the book too kind of saying like what's next so I do want Falling Molly to do other things whether it's um become triple crowners or um road trips or sailing or just kind of show um kids alligators on the Florida trail yeah yeah that would be really cool oh so Michelle this is like probably the most important question of the night okay does Folly and Molly meet a bunny rabbit Yes. <gasps> okay. All right. Oh, well, that sold. sold me. All right. Sold. <laughs> Ten copies. Uh, I'll send you a picture of the um, picture. Oh, yeah. He's not mentioned by name, but he's there. He's eating um, carrot ice cream during the half gallon challenge. Oh, genius. <laughs> <laughs> but do they meet snails? There's a snail at the parade. Um, Ten more books actually, sold to me, all right? <laughs> oh, yay! Um, and the bunny rabbit's in another picture, too, too. But um, there's a snail at the parade because um, it, I kind of wanted to show, just, like, through, like, metaphor, I guess, that any anybody, anybody could do could through-hike or hike and get out there. So I did, um, like, uh, a moose, you know, a bigger animal, um, animals who fly, who maybe even think are hiking, and the snail, um, some dogs, a snake, um, in the uh, Trail Days parade. So there's, like, all kinds of jumbled because you kind of... Uh, oh, that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. The snail that's is my awesome. friend Kevin's idea, actually. So. Well, that's all we saw down in Georgia. When we went down to do Georgia in 2020... I mean, the snails were littering the trail. Wow. And it scared the crap out of me because I didn't want anyone to step on these poor little things. So We would have finished two days sooner if someone <laughs> wasn't saving every snail. That's right. <laughs> snail whisper. So that's why I asked. <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> so when we went back to mountain crossings where the car was, we asked the guy, what's with the snails? He's like, there's a lot more snails this year than normal. I'm like, all right, that <laughs> totally makes sense. Yeah, you're, like, on your tiptoes avoiding them. Seriously. Those stupid things. Get off trail. Well, it was a wet year, and there weren't as many people, so that's why they were all out. Oh, wow. That's too funny. Yeah, I did want to say, to your point earlier, that I don't know, The Unlikely Through Hiker, I don't know if you guys read that book, by Derek Lugo. No. He's my Instagram friend, and he's really great. Maybe you should consider having him on the podcast, too, but he um, (laughs) wrote about his trail experience, and... um, being like a black man from New York City going on trail for the first time backpacking. So he wrote that book and now he has a children's book that he's in the process of writing too about the Appalachian Trail. So so more to add to the library just to kind of put it out there. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So you have inspired someone else, which is absolutely fantastic. Oh, I don't know about that. He might have he he wrote his book before me, but yeah, but hopefully um some more people will be interested. Awesome. All right, so you self-published, and what, briefly, what is that process like? And you also did your own illustrations, which is really cool. Um, So what was that process like? I asked two questions in one there, but... Thanks. No, you're good. I'll start with the illustrations, because I did that first. Like, since this is my first time doing a book, I kind of... If I were to do it again, I would do some more things at the same time, Um, you know, while my editor had my book, because I was like, oh, she changes it, they'll have to change the pictures, and really, they're not changing the story at all, so um, I would have done some stuff consecutively, but so with the illustrations, I had this sketchbook, and the sketches are pretty much horrible, but um, because I, I, it's digital art that I did for the actual book, so, which is a little different, but um, I kind of laid out, um, first I broke up 
on like a Word document, a Google document, what would go on each page. And then I would kind of say, like draw a little concept of it. And then I would translate it into digital art. Um, I think that someone who's like a full-time illustrator or like maybe classically trained in illustration, like, you know, went to like school for it, would do stuff a little differently because I did my full backgrounds. Like when you look at the book, you'll see um, all different kinds of like places and locations, obviously. And I didn't draw the characters until after all the locations were done. Mm-hmm. Just because I was so nervous about, I was more nervous about the characters than the locations because um, just like facial expressions and, you know, they have to be very consistent, obviously, whereas like a rock can look a million different ways. So I would kind of give myself deadlines of, I forget if I did like two nights, an illustration every two or three nights was kind of my goal um, for the backgrounds. And then I add the the characters in, but um Sometimes it would be super quick, like 20 minutes, and sometimes it would be like three nights, and I would just like scrap the whole concept because I it, I could not get it to work. But um, yeah, so but it was really fun, and I used some of my own pictures, and um, yeah, so I really liked the illustration part of it. It was like a nice relaxing thing, just kind of sitting on my laptop for hours at night, and then self publishing was like for me, like I just not left brained as much so it was more of like the like for me it felt very boring like the paperwork and um you know getting a barcode getting isbn copywriting it um things like that but once i had kind of all that stuff there's a lot of like resources online like facebook groups and um like a group of women um self-published women that i'm on instagram with that kind of just answer questions all the time and really like kind of helped hold it our hands through it so um yeah so once I kind of got the barcode and the ISBN number then I sent the files to the printer and basically they then took it and sent me the proof how it would be um and then if there were edits I would make them and send them back so yeah (laughs) quite the process (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you give um, what some of those websites are, what some of those groups are in case anyone would like to, you know, do look into yeah. self-publishing? Um, let me pull up. So most of them are Facebook groups. I'm just going to pull up my Facebook page because I don't know. Um, there's like a ton of Facebook groups on the here, like self-publishing um, and you can join. Let me just pull it up. It's like one of those moments where social media actually pays off. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, also, we wouldn't have met you without social media, so it's a win-win-win. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? And, um, yeah, it's like sometimes I hate social media, but most of the time I'm like, but look at all the – it, like, helps connect people for sure. Um, Okay, so I'm trying to look for the ones, like, I actually used. Um, Self-publishing school is one, which is kind of, like, children's books but and beyond like that's not specific to children's books and then um and you can kind of ask questions um children's book authors and illustrators publishing marketing and selling is one for yeah like the ISBN like the questions that are just like for me over over my head sometimes and then there was a book I'm just gonna look it up to um SBN stands for International Booksellers Number, for anyone who wants to know. That's the nifty little code on the back of every single book. By the Guess code. whose yeah. first job was in a bookstore? Oh, okay, yeah. Then this other book, How to Self-Publish a Children's Book, is oh. a book that I bought. And um, it has, like, a rocket on the front. And that is, even if someone wasn't doing a children's book, it touches a lot about illustrators and things like that. But that really helped me because there's a lot of, um, like, for layout, typically if you're self-publishing – 
um, well, I guess any book, but you have to think about it if you're self-publishing versus something else, but you have to have a blank page that they can like glue it down for children's books that you can then see the colorful page on the other side. So you have to start with a blank page and end with a blank page. So if you want your title page to be on the left or the right, you have to kind of, it's like, you know, a full layout. So they have things like that in there and the websites you would want to go to, to register your, um, ISBN and yeah, all that kind of stuff that for me felt very daunting. So I basically read the book cover to cover and then kind of, um, put little post-it marks. And then when I was ready for that chapter, I kind of went in that way. I had some idea what I was getting into. Excellent. Wow. I mean, Very cool. Thank you for sharing. While arduous, I'm sure you're making it sound rather easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, um, I mean, more people should do it. I will say, yeah, it is, it was like a tough and like overwhelming process because anytime I felt comfortable, then you're forced into the next stage, which I didn't feel comfortable doing. But, um, yeah, if you kind of like dig deep and find like a group that'll support you, I do think that anybody can self-publish if you, if you want to. Mm-hmm. And that's, an achievement that you will no matter what happens in the rest of your life um that's something that you will always have going forward like i put a book out there thank you yeah i didn't know if i didn't ever end up actually doing it so for the longest time i didn't tell anybody except like forrest that i wanted to do it because i was like well i just might not be able to get farther or because i illustrate illustrating is, a, is a, like a very time consuming thing. So I was like, well, either if I can't do it, then I have to pay someone. And I don't know if I have the money to pay someone who's, you know, a proper artist and not just somebody because there's a whole thing that some people will rip stuff off online and pass mm-hmm. off, change it slightly and pass off on their own. So yeah, so thank you. I appreciate that. I remember when Fiverr.com just came out, it was literally a steal where you could hire an illustrator for pennies on the dollar to do your illustrating and now forget about it. Fiverr has blown up and nothing's $5 anymore. It's like the dollar right. store, nothing's a dollar anymore. <laughs> so well done on, on self-illustrating <laughs> and that's not an easy feat either. Where can uh, people find your book? Yeah, so right now it's only on my website, um, adventurestoriesbymichelle.com and Michelle's with two L's. Um, or it's uh, my website's linked to my Instagram, which is at adventurestoriesbymichelle. All right. We will put these in the show notes just in case folks did not hear that. I mean, they should have. Go back like 10 seconds and you'll hear it again. (laughs) Um, But let's, uh, unless, do you have any more questions, Crank? No, I think we can move forward. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about your trail stewardship. You're a member of the Blue Mountain Eagle Climbing Club. Is that the climbing is that you do climbing and trail stewardship. What do you do? No, I don't climb. There are people who climb, but I think that, and I might get the history wrong on this, but I believe the name came about because, um, in Pennsylvania, as you guys know, like when you're hiking those rocks that they, the people who founded the club called it climbing. Um, so it's a high gap is climbing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It feels like it for sure. So I believe, and I could be wrong. I believe that's where, like when they originally started the club, um, the name came from and now there is like all kinds of outdoorsy or fun like adventure stuff that we take part in but the main thing is um, maintaining the trail okay and what parts of the trail do you maintain yeah so it's 
well, because I got in trouble once because I said 65, but 64.4 miles um, in Burke, Schuylkill, and Lehigh uh, counties. And there is like a break somewhere in there because there's another trail club that takes over part of it. Um, But if you have like, um, I always tell people, you know that like map that's like $7 Appalachian Trail map? I have one on my door. It'll say there too to kind of um, help chunk it out for you. But so for me personally, I have um, about 3.2, 3.5 miles. And it starts at um, on Hawk Mountain Road by Eckville Shelter. If you've been, oh, okay, I see you guys nodding. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then it goes up the Dan's pulpit, and then just a little bit past. This is like the worst way to describe it. I just don't know the exact mileage. Like I said, that's just not how I think. But um, even when it was given to me, it's like you have till the rock scramble, and and the, the rest is somebody else's. Uh, my friend Howard, who's also in our trail club, he does from there on out. And when you hike that past Dan's pulpit if you're going you know that way you'll know the rock scramble when you see it because it's just like a random bunch you know and then it's gone (laughs) yeah that's right in the middle of Pennsylvania's rock garden although Hawk Mountain is a really cool place I I know it's off trail technically but it's still a really cool place yeah no definitely I'm trying to visualize I remember Crank and I did Hawk Mountain, just Hawk Mountain, and then we passed okay. it. I, I don't know what my... my that was the trip tumbles. We did that section. It was partially snowing. It was fogged in and, like, clouded in, and we didn't get any views. Oh, you wow. went ahead and were listening to the introduction to Atlas Shrugged on oh, audiobook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That I was, was really trip. done. I was really <laughs> done with that at that point. Yes. Uh, that was a very Most people are because that's a rough section. That was a very <laughs> long day too. I think we were doing a twenty to twenty-one mile day. Mm-hmm. That oh wow! Day. And yeah, at that point, there's a tent site with a stream running down the mountain. I forget the name of it, but it was very pretty. We got water there, and then we started climbing up a little bit. And we kept going, and we kept going. Like, Where's the end? Where's the car? And I, I remember being rather frustrated that day. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. But whatever that tent site was, damn, that was pretty. <laughs> so well done. Good job, trail trail stewards. Yes. You guys are doing great. <laughs> yes, thank you. And it is because of people like you that we are able to go out and enjoy the trail. Um, so can't thank you enough on you know behalf of... You're kind of representing every trail steward right now. So thank you thank very, you. very much. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you. I feel bad even accepting that because um, there's people in my club who have had the same piece of trail for generations and they, um, the club tends to skew a little older. So some of them have been maintaining their section of trail for 20 to 40 years. And I've only had my piece for almost like a, a year and a half, two years. So I'm like, oh gosh, I feel like I've done nothing compared to that. So is but, there um, like an application because it's, since it's generational, well, so it's kind of funny. So um, if you, so for my club, how it works, I'm not totally sure with other clubs, um, but there's, you know, sections of trail. And then if you're interested in having a section that's your section, then um, if something opens up or if they have, you know, sometimes the the um, trail maintenance, you know, uh, chairperson is doing a bunch of sections and then they'll kind of give one to you. Um, or, but you can also kind of float around. Like there's plenty of people who are like, I don't want to, necessarily have this as my piece will go on like different stretches among um the 64.4 miles of our 
our spot and people can join randomly too like if um anyone ever wants to come there's it's all on for us it's on the website um b-m-e-c-c so it's an acronym for blue mountain eagle climbing club.org and it has days that we're um doing volunteering and stuff like that so you can always send an email and join oh wow okay and how often do you go out and do maintenance yeah it kind of depends um i like for winter so what i typically have done is um go out like right before it's super cold in december and then we're going out um this weekend in you know so it's mid-march right now um because there's not too much you can really do and it's like a little icy a little snowy and it doesn't get as um as many people mm-hmm. so in the summer we try to go kind of as much as we can but even just like every four weeks or six weeks is kind of um okay because also the trail will do um like it's not necessarily just me the trail will do um trips where they go down and if I like happen to not be available that weekend sometimes they'll do my section or other sections um but and then sometimes you know we do stuff with like chainsaws and I'm not chainsaw certified um so we'll have like a big group of people who who do um different things on all the different sections and then cleaning up trash weeds all that kind of stuff painting blazes which is always fun oh awesome that is great that is really cool um yes and I'm sure you are glad you don't have bake oven knob or anywhere that gets a lot of kids um, because those that must be a nightmare. I'm thinking of bake oven knob in particular because that's just a party section and that has to be a nightmare to maintain with graffiti and trash. and. Yeah, there definitely has been like that's like a big thing at meetings that we talk about is there has been like graffiti removal cleanups and um yeah like underage kids like going to drink and then leaving it a mess and obviously they're drinking um you know by the shelters and stuff and so mm-hmm. um, yeah when we did bake oven knob it was in the dead of summer and it was there was definitely party time <laughs> oh gosh yeah i can only imagine <laughs> the shelter was okay because that was shelter fun. is a little bit back but like on the overlook itself, it, we couldn't enjoy it. But uh, yeah. we give you guys kudos for trying to keep up with with that, definitely. <laughs> and that is a part of BMECC, correct? Bake Oven Nub? I don't know. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, Probably. I know that's not your section. Probably. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it is part of Lehigh. I think it is part of Lehigh County. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I've done mostly, like, um, when I do trail maintenance, I've done mostly, like, around my little area, like, yep. usually my area, and then sometimes I'll, I do want to do, they just started um, a patch, I forget what it's called, but a patch with our club where if you, through our section hike, are 64 miles, then I forget what it's called, and my friend Howard put it together, but I'll have to send it to you, because it could be anybody, too, so it doesn't have to be members of our club, um, because, like I said, I tend to go to the same areas. Plus, um, since I'm in New Jersey, it's already like an hour and a half, two hour drive. Mm-hmm. So going too much farther north is um, a longer day. You know, I'm, I'm not like you. <laughs> We're going to Shandong back in one day anymore. But yeah, did I, I think, did I answer your question? I'm not even sure now. <laughs> I'm rambling. No, ramble no, on. Okay. We enjoy when people <laughs> ramble. It yeah, means that they been... enjoy what they're doing and enjoy what they're talking about. So, Oh, so I just thought of a question. Um, let's go back to your book real quick because this thought just popped in my head. Have you reached out to the Conservancy or 
Um, any official organizations? Because that should be on the shelves at the Conservancy. Wow, thank you. I um, that is on my list, like literally for well, it was for last week, and then of course stuff happened, but bookstores and the conservancy um yeah those are definitely on my list and different outfitters along the trail um i just need to kind of like get going and you know write the email and connect but i did have um pine grove furnace uh general store i reached out to them before the book was published because i just want to make sure it was okay that i talked about like the half gallon challenge and they were so nice because i you know i'm like Always think I'm going to get sued for something. <laughs> so I was like, let me just make sure. Um, so I reached out to them and they were like so nice and said that they would love to have the book in the general store. So that's something we're kind of working on. It's relatively close enough that I can drive there, yep. you know, for a day trip. So I'm going to um, go and, and see them in person, talk to them in person, because that would be great. And then um, the, oh, I forget the name, but the trail library, I'm going to look it up really quick. Oh, the Appalachian Trail Museum. Oh. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, so they reached out to me, and they have, like, I guess in the upstairs of the museum, like, as many hiking books and books about the trail as possible. So they reached out to me when I was doing my Kickstarter. Is that in um, Pine Grove Furnace? Yes, that's yeah, what we were. Yes. Tumble stepped away for a second. Sorry. That's what we were just talking about, Tumbles. Sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no that's okay. You're good. So, so, yeah, so they asked if I would donate um to the library one of my a copy and um I'm super excited and and honored to do that I try to because I only have a certain amount of books um it's hard for me to do like giveaways and stuff like that just because I want to have like as many kids be able to read it so libraries and schools I'm I'm happy to donate to um versus like an individual who's only one person but sometimes I'll do donations of like the pdf version of things but um yeah just because of how printing works yeah you need to make money on this as well Right. Yeah. And like try to break even and stuff. Although yep. I did do my Kickstarter, which helped. But um, yeah, because if you give them all away for free, if I were to reorder them, then I wouldn't have any money to do that with. So, so yeah. Tumbles, what is the bookstore that we always go to on our Shenandoah trips? Royal Oak in Front Royal. Royal Oak? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to write that it's down. It's a great independent bookstore. The owner is really, really nice. I'm sure she would be very happy to talk to you. Okay. Thank you. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. You, you guys are, are so welcome. Great. I mean, you can't drive there and drop them off, but you can ship them there. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. And she does have a children's section. And, and she a trail is, section, too. And a trail section. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's perfect. Like, like I said, like this week, I've been trying to write like a draft email and try to get my list together and get myself going. So thank you. I'll definitely email them. Awesome. We look forward to seeing your book on those shelves. (laughs) So you kind of already answered this, but um, would you do this again? Are there any other books down the line in the back of your head? Yeah. So I would do it again. um, For sure. I want like Bali Molly to have more adventures. Of course, like the whole writing and illustrating is like a big burden because, you know, during, not burden. I love doing it, but it's a big time. Uh, it's very time consuming. You know, during COVID I had obviously like no social life. So I was like, I'll just do this every night. And, um, you know, you didn't have stuff come up with work. So it was like a little easier to get done quicker, quicker. And even then I didn't really do it quickly at all. So, um, but I am trying to do right now, um, working on like kind of a companion book for more like middle grade, 
Um, so similar to what I already did as a children's book, but just like expanded and a little more mature of the same, um, story. So hopefully now that I've said it out loud, hopefully I'll actually, you know, complete it and work on it. But I have been trying to write a little bit every day and, um, kind of see how it takes me because where it takes me. Cause I do think, you know, same as how there weren't a lot of children's books. There's as far as I know, no middle grade books about it. Um, so trying to just keep the fire alive with like the Appalachian Trail and then, um, yeah. And then do something different, I think. Oh, wonderful. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what else you come up with. Um, Thank you. Ta- let's talk about some Tetons here. So uh, I am very curious because that is definitely on the short list to go visit. Tell us about your Grand Tetons trip. Oh, I loved it. It was like the best trip ever. It really was. Even, um, we actually, that's where we got engaged, but even, congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Um, but even before we got engaged, I kept being like this, we are so lucky to be here. It is so beautiful. And it was like, it really was like being in a postcard, um, the trees there. I mean, especially coming from East coast, which I love the East coast. So I'll always, you know, stand up for it when people say the West coast is prettier, but I think that they both have really cool things to offer. And that was my first backpacking trip on the, on, you know, um, the other side of the country. So it was really cool to see. And, um, yeah, the elevation gains got to us for sure, but it was gorgeous. Um, we didn't see any bears there, which I was actually glad not to see those bears. (laughs) Um, yeah, we saw, um, we did like a part of the paintbrush loop and we did, um, Berry Creek trail, which is like the Northern part of the park, like, I think we actually camped like almost in Yellowstone because they touch. So if we had more time, we would have wanted to explore Yellowstone. But I feel like Yellowstone's such a humongous park that we, you know, we only have like five or six days. So um, I think if you are, have like a short trip, if you, you know, if you have less time, the Grand Teton is like a great place because it's beautiful. It's not a huge park. You can like drive around it. Um, but there's tons of backpacking options and like other adventure options. So it was, and even flying in, it's like a small airport and you can see if you're on the right, the correct side of the plane, I don't want to say right. Cause I don't remember, but we had it both ways. Like when we left and when we came, you could see the whole Teton range and it was just really cool. Oh, wow. So you mentioned two trails. How long were these loops? Yeah. So we, well, we changed it because when, when I originally booked the permits, um, I think it, uh, they, we only had options to do like the Northern area and you can't see like the Teton range there. So basically we, um, we're going to do a full loop there, but instead did out and back for both of them. Um, because we wanted to kind of see like as much of the park from like all different angles as we could and, and see like, um, you know, the, it's, the range is like very beautiful. I liked that where we were the first night, but it was cool to see like the actual Tetons and, um, the lakes and, yeah. Uh, would, you, would you mind, um, after we chat, sending me the names of those um, trails? So yeah. for us, like, we can go check on all trails. We'll put it in the show notes just in case folks want to check them out. Yeah, absolutely. We want to check them out. Okay, we yeah. already have our trip settled for this year, Crank, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, you should, not, and not to make you nervous, because I feel like with um, Grand Tetons, you should start, like, early because stuff books. Like, I, I can't yeah. remember when we booked... But yeah, like they only had the, um, and we were able to end up at the other spot, but they only had the Northern permits available because that was, um, I guess, less scenic. So less like desirable. And when we like picked up the permits and I loved it though, so don't get me wrong. I think you can't go wrong, but, um, the 
ranger basically was like oh you guys are the only people up there you'll be all alone and i was like oh gosh i really hope we don't run into a bear now <laughs> but yeah you had a were you the only one were you the only ones out there like did you have that section or that summit mostly to yourselves because that's really incredible yeah we were we were completely alone uh, and we That's only amazing. did like a couple miles, like six or seven miles in and then we hiked out and then hiked back into the other spot the next day. So we were completely alone. We did see someone as we were hiking out like a quarter mile in going in to go fishing um, nearby. But yeah, we were alone. So, and, and that was like definitely an area because it was so they have like a lot of wildlife there, especially in the northern part um, that you like couldn't leave your bear spray for like a minute, which I like never had to deal with that before. So like, even if you're going to the bathroom, you have to carry your bear spray with you. And, you know, even like at all times and Forrest was really good about it. He'd be like, where's your bear spray? And like, Oh, you know, if I'm setting up the tanks, like it needs to be like right by you. So wow. yeah. <laughs> when did you guys go? We went, um, end of August. Oh, prime time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I could see why the Southern end was booked right 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 yeah we went for it so he turned 30 last year so we went for like his 30th birthday nice again congratulations that is absolutely fantastic so we always end because we have kind of taken this on from uh trail tales and kyle o'grady we have his permission now so we always end we ask our guests to share uh some sort of trail tale from their adventures so you have something, which is great because sometimes guests struggle with this. So you came prepared today. I well have done. to because I was struggling with it all day. And I was trying to listen. I listened to Kyle's trail tale because I was like, well, you know, I think the funny thing about backpacking is either you have like a great time and there's no real story to it. You're just like, oh, it's really great. We had nice weather. We saw this and that. And then that's kind of it. Or you have like these, you know, blunders and stuff, which I am. I always like joke that um, it's definitely like my first time here on earth. I feel like I'm really learning everything as I go. So with backpacking, I've certainly seen that come into play. So, um, but yeah, so I wrote about, um, or I wanted to talk about my first trip on the Appalachian Trail is just one overnight um, to Pinnacle um, Overlook and back, which is really not a far, not far mileage wise, but it was like our, my first like trip. So I was like really exhausted and, I didn't really look anything up on my own. We didn't even have a tent. We just cowboy camped, which is like, so that's what I'm saying. I'm like, so silly. I didn't even think like you should have a shelter. So I wouldn't recommend that. I definitely recommend that people kind of do their own research before spending the night in the wilderness. But, um, yeah. So on the way out, somehow we got off trail, which was also kind of weird on the Appalachian trail. I feel like everything is so well marked and we ended up in somebody's backyard, like rural backyard. And the guy was so nice and um offered us a ride to our parking lot because we told him where we parked and he basically said oh yeah it's three miles and after hiking you know for however long and sleeping on the literal ground we didn't have sleeping mats or anything i we must have looked like so sad and he he said okay here get in my car and i'll take you there and he gave us like tomatoes from his garden and drove us to the car so and that was like when i kind of heard the term trail magic before i didn't know that it was um what it was where people like will purposely feed through hikers and section hikers. So I was like, Oh, it's just when something like really lucky happens to you. And we got really lucky. Um, and that was trail magic. So yeah, I wanted to share that story just because I think that especially when you're outside it in nature, but I feel like people are just really good and want to help each other. And that's like definitely something I've learned about, um, being outside and being on trail. And, um, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of leave it on a positive note. 
And that sure was positive. I mean, as we say, <laughs> the trail provides. It's silly, yes. but it is true. The trail does provide. And we're glad it was a really good experience for your first time out there because who knows, maybe you would have had a terrible time and not have returned. So it could have gone very wrong. It could have gone very wrong, (laughs) but uh, you persevered and you have an amazing book to show for it too. And plenty more adventures to come. Michelle, you have been such a wonderful guest. Again, you're always smiling. We love, well, I love people who always smile. Um, Cranky's called Cranky because he's never upset on trail. So we just found that very interesting. (laughs) He's always happy. Um, But yeah, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. We looked forward to having you back when you maybe publish your next book. Um, So can you please give us your socials one more time for the folks in the back? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I, I feel so honored and it was really nice talking to you guys. And I hope we can chat soon and we'll keep in touch. But um, oh, yeah, my, <laughs> good. Yay. And I'd love to send you guys stickers too if you feel comfortable. Um, oh, absolutely. Love stickers. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> you can DM me your address or a PO box or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Adventure Stories by Michelle. My website is www.adventurestoriesbymichelle.com. Um, I'm on TikTok, but I post like random stuff. So it's not always hiking and about the book. Sometimes it's about wedding planning or my dog, but it's Adventure Stories by M-I-C-H. And then Facebook to Adventure Stories by Michelle. There you go. It's it's pretty easy. So friends, <laughs> go give her a follow. Go get the book. I'm about to get the book. So Michelle, thanks again. Stick around. Folks, as per standard, Crank, you got anything else? Uh, no, that was fantastic. I think we should end there while we're going strong. All right, friends. Till next time. Ciao.